Welcome back to the Call Me By Your Game podcast. This is your host, Connor McCabe. Uh, been the host since the first episode. Haven't been kicked off yet. Uh, I feel like every 15 episodes or so, I check in with the audience, making sure that I'm still here. And here it is, guys. It's me. Um, if you've never listened to this show before, uh, this is a podcast where I talk to someone about a video game that is special to them and why. Uh, we'll talk about not only what made that game special to them and what they love about it, but also the context around when they fell in love with it in the first place. Um, a little housekeeping that I'll get out of the way real quick is that if you want to learn more about our show, you can visit our website at callmebyyourgame.com. If you have any questions, any memories you want to share, any suggestions, I'll even let you throw a suggestion at me. Uh, you can email us at callmebyyourgamepodcast at gmail.com. And the last thing is if you're looking to support the show, there's a few ways you can do that. Um, you can re- rate and review us on the Apple Podcast Store. That helps our visibility. Um, sh- maybe share something you like about the show. And also, if you have a friend who either loves video games or loves the particular video game that we're talking about today, you can share this show or this episode with them. Um, but that's it for the housekeeping. Let's go ahead and move on to the most bright and beautiful moment of the show. And that's where I introduce our guest. So please welcome uh, today my guest, who is a geyser of support, a waterfall of joy, a hilarious improviser in Los Angeles. Please welcome Aaron Burns Siskind. Hey. Hey. Cool. All, all that build up for a little. Hey. I think that's what I deserve for setting my guests up like that every time. I always do some big like introduction, you know, really building my guests up because I love all of them so much. And and Aaron, you've uh, you put me in my place. So thank you. I wasn't trying to take you down a peg or anything. <laughs> hey, I know you weren't, but it was kind of a moment for me to reflect and realize Wow, that's what I do every time. Um, welcome to the show, Aaron. How are you? I know I'm doing great. Can't. I'm so glad. You know, everything aside, can't really complain. So that's a. I've talked about this before recently on the show. You passed the test. That's the appropriate answer. It's in the right neighborhood to be like. All things considered, fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Great. Well, uh, well, thank you for, for joining the show. I know you through the L.A. improv scene, um, particularly we both used to do some improv at UCB when that was a thing. Um, we got to know each other in the indie scene. We both are on the mock improv cast. Um, but is there any other way people might know you or you feel like anything you, you got to share about yourself that we didn't cover? Golly. Well, for the last five years I've been a social media manager. So you may have seen my, my work out there in the wild, um, most notably or publicly or interestingly, um, which I guess is not fair to say to the brands that I support with social media that maybe aren't as sexy as film independent, but, uh, you know, I covered the spirit awards for several years, um, did some, pretty wild, uh, little game show video features with, uh, like trying to get Glenn close to guess, uh, um, like emoji, uh, movie titles. Um, you know, when, when you put a phone in people in front of people's uh, faces, they really, they really do just kind of like get that deer in the headlights and then we'll do basically anything that you ask them to. Um, so, you know, drunk with power, um hey hey um but that's basically it you know uh unless you've seen me on the UCBR clubhouse stage I'm like pretty much a homebody so <laughs> hey there we are and you know what you're 
a lot more people are adopting that sort of lifestyle now. Home it's so weird that all you know, together, all of us at once have decided that it's a good idea to stay home. Yeah. Right. You know, it. all, all jokes aside about staying home, I am very interested to see what it would be, what it will be like, assuming we get a time where it's safe and normal to go out again. Um mostly for the fact that I want to know how I'm going to respond to being outside and if I'm going to need to be home more often than I used to, just because we're so used to it. Absolutely. Especially like I think about how much I have to fire myself up to like go to the grocery store and how like that, that's it. There's nothing else to be done that day. Like maybe I smoke a joint and go to bed at 6 PM. Right. It's like, not bad. (laughs) Well, you know, and I think that's very fair. I also think that, you know, even a simple, a simple trip to the grocery store now comes with a lot more bells and whistles. It's a lot more complicated. You're, I don't know about you, but I'm on like high alert as soon as I step out of my apartment now. Um, like it's bizarre. So it's understandable that we have less energy and it, we use more for a task like that. I think so too. Wow. We've, we've turned this into a, into just like a, an, an advice podcast. I don't don't know what exactly we're doing, but it's not bad. I like it. I was I, every I, <laughs> I'm here to talk about video games though, which I think perfect, is funny perfect. because I immediately have just steered us into this self care moment where we talk about like, you know, if we're being extra stimulated, do we need to stay inside? <laughs> <laughs> hey, do, you don't have to don't have to blame yourself too much. I steered us here too, but it's also one of my favorite things to do on the show is is a. Uh, is joke that we finally found the podcast spinoff I was hoping for. And today that is the self-care podcast with Aaron Burns. Great. I'm excited. So, <laughs> so there we are. Um, we're of course here to talk about a video game today that is special to you. Uh, but we're of course, before we dive into it very much, why don't you share the video game we're going to talk about? Okay. So today we're going to talk about the original 1998 for the original PlayStation Spyro the Dragon, um, which is the only video game I've ever completed. Wow. Um, And the only video game I remember the specifics of. um, And I, I just, my heart like opens up to this like magical wormhole to my childhood when I think about this game. Um, so I'm pretty Uh, stoked. (laughs) Ah, I love it. Um, that's perfect. I mean, that's truly like what you just said is kind of why we do the show. Of course I love like the ins and outs of what's great about video games, but the context is, um, one thing we like to dive into. So that's awesome. Um, well, before we talk about Spyro, the history of it and your personal experience, let's talk about which we may, this may be short, this may be sweet, but let's, and maybe we can all like, I'll stretch it out a little bit. Video games and you, Aaron, (laughs) your history with video games. Uh, do you, did you have a PlayStation growing up? We're probably going to get into this later, but do you, where did video games come into your life? When were you aware of that? Sure. So I am a child of divorce. Uh, so my parents have been divorced since I was three. Um, my mm. dad was the first one to get like a, a computer, a home computer. So as okay. soon as he got a computer, I was into Minesweeper. I guess I must have been, <laughs> I don't know, like eight or something like that. Minesweeper, to me, <laughs> always seemed like such a badass video game. 
I was not about to. T- I never touch Minesweeper, so I'm already impressed. You, you got to know the hacks, right? You got to know how the how they clump the the bombs and all that stuff. But um, yeah. we'll talk about my expertise on Minesweeper later, probably. Cool. Um, but my dad bought me some floppy disk games, um, and I were the first game he bought um, was Treasure Math Storm. Um, which I only know the title of it because in prepping for this podcast, I Googled ice mountain math computer game because that was all I remembered about it. Um, but immediately treasure master (laughs) came up and I like figured out that I could download it and play it if I want to, which I probably will. I was really into, like, I loved Mapha's beacon and typer Mm -hmm. shark, uh, I, a lot of edu- I'm hearing a, a theme of educational you games know, here. I, I will uh, disclose that uh, my dad even like was a goofy, fun guy, also an improviser, like fo- hey. following his footsteps in many ways. But he also was like, you know, a strict dad. So it was okay. a lot easier to make a case for an educational game uh, to spend, you know, four or five hours on the one computer. And also like, depending on the game, also using our phone line <laughs> yeah. um, in the yep. days of dial up. So uh, I was able to using that kind of educational argument, I was able to hit up geography with somewhere in the world is Carmen San Diego, Ooh, yeah. um, some history and science. Science, uh, question mark with uh, where in time is Carmen San Diego, which is still my all time favorite computer game. Um, and yeah, that's basically how I got into it. And then my dad bought a PlayStation when the first PlayStation came out. Ooh. Um, where do you go, Dad? <laughs> such a cool dude. Um, <laughs> uh, we we had a uh, an NES also, so we oh, so cool. we would play. Um, what was it's like Tetris, but it's pills and it's a Mario game. Doctor Mario. Yeah, so we played Doctor Mario yes. together. Um, we had a couple of other NES games, but truly my memory of then because now that's like going back 25 years i like just don't remember um yeah. but when you <laughs> bought the playstation which was over winter break in like 1998 like right after spyro came out he bought a couple games so he bought spyro because he thought i would like it he bought crash bandicoot because he thought i would like okay. it which Spoiler alert, I did, but didn't play that game as much. Um, And then down the line, he bought Tony Hawk and he bought Final Fantasy V. And so I've played those games, but uh, I... I really remember kind of like those core games. Because I also feel like, you know, we were not... We were broke. <laughs> My dad was yeah. was broke. So we didn't have a ton of video games because they were expensive. So I just really played the heck out of Spyro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it was like, this is what I have. Um, and also, you know, I'm an only child. So I didn't have to worry about sharing the game with anybody. Uh, definitely didn't share with my dad. (laughs) This is for me. Um, and you know, since then I basically like, I love a phone game. I play candy crush. I play this new game that I discovered called zip zap, 
which is so close to being an improv. I know, so close. <laughs> when my cousin told me about it, I thought he was like doing a bit. Uh, but it's, <laughs> it reminds me kind of of connects and you okay. swing pieces of a structure to move a bong, a bong, <laughs> a ball <laughs> along. Sounds like my kind of game. <laughs> yeah. Um, to move a ball along, um, uh, course essentially. Okay. And, and it's like unlimited lives and there's no clock. And, um, I think the most important thing that I find when I'm like looking at phone games now is like, um, I don't want to feel any pressure. Um, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to worry about lives. I want it to be very gentle and distracting, which is, you yeah. know, so my, my husband who has a switch and he plays Zelda and he, there are lots of games that he plays. He was like, well, you should play maybe Stardew Valley or Animal Crossing. He's like, I feel like you would like those games. And let me tell you, I do not have the patience for those games. It's just like, I like, I started walking around Stardew Valley at like 12, 12 minutes. And I was like, I got a farm and I have to deal with this farm. Bye. Not your idea of, of relaxation. No, no. It's, you know, as much as those games to some people, sometimes myself can be therapeutic and relaxing. I also understand that there's a heavy investment there and it can be stressful. You can all of a sudden like develop this sort of pressure on yourself that I've got to pay off my loan or I've got to like water my crops or whatever. And I, I understand that for a lot of people, it can be relaxing, but it's not like a universal thing. Yeah. Necessarily. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Um, if, it sounded like you kind of got us up to date. Yeah, that's it. That's, uh, you know, beginning to end, basically. Hey, there we go. Yeah. You know, short and sweet. There we are. <laughs> um, very, very cool. Uh, it's it's very cool for me to just hear about like, I didn't I actually didn't remember. I think you've told me before that you're an only child, but I didn't remember that, but that does I'm sure color your experience a lot differently than another person's. Um, but let's just get into like, let's get into Spyro. I feel yeah. like we're already at that point. Let's go ahead and dive in. So I'm going to share, like I said earlier, some history and context. Feel free to jump in if you want or stay silent, whatever you want, Aaron. Um, but for the listener out there who is not familiar with this game, Spyro the Dragon is a 3D platform game developed by Insomniac Games and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PlayStation on September 10th, 1998. Uh, it's the first game in the Spyro series and was one of the titular games in Sony's first home console, the Sony PlayStation that you had. Um, it was the second game developed by Insomniac following a game called Disruptor, which was like an old first-person shooter, kind of like Doom. Um, and it was a Spyro was a commercial success and considered one of the best 3D platformers on the console. And it has a similar determined goofy spirit as Banjo-Kazooie, which was on the Nintendo platforms. Uh, and this game was heralded for its comedic nature, voice acting, story, level design, music, and controls. And fun fact, um, Aaron, is that the composer was the drummer from the police named Stuart Copeland. Incredible. So, so how about <laughs> That's that? That's the trivia um, I'm here for. Got it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I will have a fun, like, trivia section at the end of the game. So you're that's just like, that, that's a throwaway one. Imagine the fun that's coming to us later. Can't wait. 
Um, the game stars a young purple dragon named Spyro who must journey across the dragon kingdom to defeat Nasty Nork. And those are with G's for the listener out there. Nasty Nork. Uh, and uh, who has overtaken the five dragon homeworlds and trapped other dragons in crystal. Um, Spyro has unique abilities such as shooting fire, sprinting, and gliding. And while gallivanting through different worlds, Spyro must collect the dragon's treasure, stolen treasure gems, reclaim stolen dragon eggs, and defeat enemies, including bosses. He's accompanied by Sparks, a yellow dragonfly who protects him from taking damage as he ventures through his trials. Uh, was there anything that you'd like to share about the history and context, or do you want to move on to your experience? No, man, you crushed it. And I say that only because I did read a bunch of like Wikipedia type articles about Spyro earlier today. Awesome. Sweet. I I realize I also, I'm a lot of revelations today, Aaron. I'm realizing every time it's because it's not the first time that a guest has said, good job, you nailed it. And I realized I'm just setting them up to say that because I'm just like rambling for five minutes and then people probably just want to hear me stop talking. So, you know, it makes sense. Um, but let's dive into your history with the game and I'll stop putting words in your mouth. Uh, you, you dove into it earlier, but let's touch on it again, how you got Spyro and how it came into your life. Sure. So my dad bought Spyro and a PlayStation shortly after it came out in 1998. So I was 11. So I think I was in third grade. And I remember we had, I was at this school for only one year and we had a super long winter break. So I think instead of two weeks, it was like three and a half weeks or something like that, Oh wow! Uh, which is a very long time. Um, and I was mostly with my dad during that time as a child of divorce, you know, my dad's work schedule was just different than my mom's and more flexible. So I spent the weekdays with him. Um, and my dad was like, you know, Hey, I thought that maybe you would like this. And I remember putting the game in and watching this kind of exposition and my brain just being totally blown because I had uh. never like I've played <laughs> like I've played uh, uh what is it treasure math storm you know I, I know that game Shout out again front and back <laughs> but my experience with console gaming was like strictly Dr. Mario so the experience yeah. of playing that game versus something like Spyro where I literally part of my French like and obviously I didn't say this when I was 11 but I was like what the fuck <laughs> it's like they're shooting this like <laughs> this mockumentary and like documentary like I don't know what's going on and I just remember like being told what my objective was and then just kind of like sitting in the field like in the artisan world which is the first world that you play in the game and just like seeing like a big ram like come running towards me um <laughs> and just like not understanding that the bad guys would be looking for me in some like how like yeah. instead of just like hitting the bad guys and like taking whatever thing that i need to take from them it you know and they're not just walking on that like little back and forth pacing track where they seem like yeah. you know, they're they're anxious for some reason as well um he's just coming towards me so i'm like figuring out how to maneuver, you know, this is like way pre internet where you could like go on a forum and figure out how to play. So I'm just like 
running into walls, flying into walls, like <laughs> gliding and dying, just like yep. not having any comprehension of how this game worked. And it was such a beautiful time suck to experience as an 11 year old, because I was just like discovering this whole thing that was foreign to me that I ne- had no frame of reference for. And I, th- and, you know, think, Saying that out loud and thinking about my experience as a 33 year old adult and how just like <laughs> there's no joy and novelty really anymore. Um, and just like I just I having my mind blown like that and having so much fun discovering exactly what the game was. And like, as you mentioned, when you were talking about the history of the game, like this is a game that's known for humor and fun. And, you know, it's not a first person shooter. It's a very different experience. You're dealing with like treasure and crystal dragons. And I, I just remember being so sucked into the game that I would like wake up in the morning and play from like seven to 12. I also must let you know, Connor, that (laughs) even though this is the only video game that I've ever finished bad the whole way through, I can't, I cannot (laughs) emphasize how bad at Spyro I was, but I loved it so much. There was so much to discover, like people you could talk to. I loved when you found a dragon, it would tell you, how to get better at the game. Like that's, that to me was just like, I mean, my, just like, I can't, I can't even like articulate how bad at the game that I was, but it didn't, (laughs) it didn't kind of discourage me from playing. No. And that's kind of always been the way that I've been like, um, (laughs) like a good example from my non video game life is like, I'm so bad at skiing. I've been skiing so many times. I've never gotten better (laughs) at it, but Oh my God, Connor, you put me on a bunny hill and I will ride it all day. I love it. It's so fun. So I would play like, I would play this game like 10 hours a day. We would stop at like noon And my dad would make me a tuna fish sandwich and we would like eat sandwiches together. And then I would like go back and sit on the couch in our tiny apartment. He was like on the internet in his bedroom or like early. Actually, I don't really know what he was doing. He was an adult parent man who was probably (laughs) relieved to have some space from his like loud 11 year old child. (laughs) (laughs) But I just played that game all that winter break. Just like nonstop, basically. In in if you isolate part of that, where it's like just you and your dad, tuna sandwiches and Spyro all day. That sounds like an incredible way to spend your winter break. Of course, it's isolated. You know, there, uh, I won't speak on your childhood. I'm sure there were things that weren't great about that, but that were great. But that's really cool. Um, there's several things I want to touch on getting back to that. Um, first is when did he just bring the PlayStation home one day? Did, was it something you discussed and then he got it? How did that? Do you remember how that went? No, he just brought it home. Nice. Wonder, Ballsy move, yeah, Dad. I mean, it must have been like th- reflecting on it now. It, it must have been kind of a big deal because obviously not a cheap thing, not a. Yeah. But. It's interesting, too, because like basically what my dad and I did for entertainment was go to the L.A. Public Library. We went almost every day 
and he would take out, you know, uh, like a new release or something, read it in two days. And then we would go back to the public library. I like read every goosebumps, choose your own adventure, (laughs) babysitters club, like all of those books. And so this was a big departure for me to like, it's like, now we have this video game system. I mentioned that we had an NES too, but we didn't play it very often um, just because we didn't have very many games. Ooh, we also had a Yoshi game that I don't remember which one, but I just remember Yoshi's cookie. Maybe who knows? knows? There's, there's like one or two Yoshi's game on the, on the NES. And one of them is like a weird puzzle. It's like a puzzle game. It was definitely a puzzle game. (laughs) It might be that, um, but I digress. Continue. Um, So that was, it was exciting. And I remember too, like my dad, also having no frame of reference for like these kinds of games because it's, it's a new thing. Right. And like he, you know, grew up in the sixties. So he wasn't playing, were there video games then? Mm, You know, there was probably pinball. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, Right. And then in like the seventies, maybe there was like pong and stuff. I think there were video games in the seventies for sure, but that's interesting. Um, I am so glad that like one of the games he chose or did he was Spyro the only game he brought that day or no, I actually, you know what, Connor? I don't know. I remember that's I remember Spyro because it was for me. So that kind of like revisionist history, you know, as a only child, maybe take that with a grain (laughs) of salt. Um, But like in that like crystallized moment in my mind, it's like dad brought home the playstation i'm like he gives me the spyro even though he he definitely bought the playstation for himself (laughs) (laughs) i love way to frame it though dad way to frame it that it's i thought you would like this Aaron. exactly good going um also if if we choose to believe that he did choose that game for you that's a great great choice by dad um for a bunch of reasons i'm sure he saw this the purple dragon and was like oh this is a thing that a kid would like um but so great job there but also it ended up being like a game that like thankfully you liked it but you could sink so much time into absolutely so really really another two props to dad right there um what la library would you go to sherman oaks I was going to ask if that's where it yeah, was. Yeah, but cool. uh, t- it's been totally remodeled since oh. um, I remember going away to college and coming back and being like, yeah, the library. I love the library. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Um, or just like it's like felt like like a, a home thing. Obviously, I went to libraries when I was in college. Had to. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was just like a very small limited selection. There was no like interlibrary loan. It was a very different experience from going to the library now, but yes. Yeah. In Sherman Oaks. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I love the library too. I want the listener to know that I'm a, I'm not a bookie. I was about to say I'm a bookie. Um, not a bookworm. I do love reading. I just don't, I do. I'll go through streaks where I'll read like three books in two months and then I won't read for four months sort of thing. Um, also, I have a video game problem, so that's part of it. <laughs> um, but I love the Silver Lake Library, um, which I've gone been going to for years because I live near there. And the Los Feliz Library on Franklin's great. Now I'm just shouting out the library. We love the local so, branches. Love you, LA Library. <laughs> uh, 
good on you for cutting the police budget yes. and hopefully we can get the police out of the libraries. Yes. This is how we pivoted to that. Um, but, uh, but anyway, I digress. I'll, I'll rewind back. I wanted to ask you, um, so was this, you, you said this happened, like, did you get it during Christmas, like at Christmas break or did you, is that when you just ended up playing it the most? That's when I ended up playing it the most. It was not, um, uh, as a child of divorced parents, um, Christmas was a collaborative effort for my mom and my dad. So, Mm. um, and my mom, to my recollection, bought most of the Christmas. It could have been like a backdoor or like a bonus Christmas. Um, but like really Christmas was kind of about my mom. So, um, so a lot of like also a supreme gift giver, but would never have thought to get like a, a PlayStation or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um, so you, you may have touched on it earlier and this isn't that we don't need to get uh, every question I ask you. If it has no answer, that's fine. But I'm just so happy that like you ended up diving so deep into this game over that christmas break do you kind of remember what it were you just like bored do you remember at all how you ended up just playing it that much like what because it seems like something clicked yeah was it just the time you had yes it was the time it was like yeah it's so interesting to think about that kind of like open-ended idea of vacation like and I feel like it's only when you're like young because you're not doing play play dates on your own yet you know I'm an only child so a lot of the time that I spent when I was with my dad like we would like play catch or we go to the park or go to the movies or whatever we hung out a lot together but uh it was kind of like okay, what do I do in this time that I'm not at school? Because as I mentioned, my dad being kind of strict, uh, I was not allowed to watch TV before six o'clock every day. PM. PM. Yes. Gotcha. <laughs> um, why video games didn't count. I'm not totally <laughs> sure. Uh, but that was always the rule. It was like no TV before six, no TV one night a week. And then during breaks, So like on winter break or summer break, no TV two nights a week, but we always did like some kind of outing. Like we go to the batting cages or the arcade or something like that. That's really cool. Um, And that helps really helps paint the idea of what it was kind of like living there. Um, Tiny pivot. We, I think we've talked about this before. Did you play baseball or softball? Oh yeah. I played softball from when (laughs) I was probably around the same time. Like, like nine maybe until I was in high school. I was never a fast runner. My dad Mm. very lovingly told me that I ran like my feet hurt, which is not (laughs) untrue. I would like, I I was a power hitter too, because like, you know, I was like taller and like bigger than a lot of the girls that I played with. So I would hit the ball really far, but still only ever make it to first base. (laughs) Just because I don't run fast. Um, So I switched to like pool base sports when I was in high school. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> no running there. Um, and yeah, so that was something that we definitely bonded over. My dad was a huge Yankee fan, huge Knicks fan. So we were watching a Is lot he of from New York. Heck yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, I 
this makes me want to be like, hey, you should play on the baseball team I was supposed to play on. <laughs> but like, there's there's this uh, there's a baseball league, like a co-ed league. I mean, there's several out here, but there's a bunch of people in the comedy community who play. And I actually like truly two weeks, three weeks before quarantine started, I went to these like winter tryout things Incredible. and got put on a team. But like, it's a really fun co-ed league. So. I don't know if you'd be interested in that, but this is me being like, hey, if you are, let me know, because that would be really fun to play. I I love, love team sports. It's part of the reason why uh, I like improv so much. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was really bu- a bummer to like, I, to have that not ripped away. Everything was ripped away, yeah. but to be like so excited because I played baseball all through high school, had, I wanted to play in college and then I chose not to. Um, so it's just a close thing to me. So I was like getting back into it and it was, it was, uh, and then it was ripped away. But anyway, it's just, a, um, it's just a, a see you later, you know, it is. A, thank so you. If we're putting a pin in it. It'll, it'll be there for you when it's safe. I am. Confident. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, well that's, thank you for sharing that. I love the tangent we went down. Um, so before we dive into, and we can dive into a bunch of different stuff whenever you want, thinking about like when you played it that break, did you end up completing the game that break or was it something you completed down the road? I did. I completed it during that oh. break, but towards the end of break. So it was kind oh of like, gosh. A, I was, I don't know if I was necessarily like going harder or maybe it was just an accumulation of the millions of hours that I had played previously in that break, um, where it was just like, I remember it. I remember vague, like the, the way that this narrative has shaped itself 25 years later. I'm like, I remember that school was going to start like soon. So, and I, you know, I don't like to quit stuff. So I was like, I just gotta, I gotta do it. So there was a lot of like, Again, like waking up way before my dad did to, to play, <laughs> turning the volume down all the way um, yep. and like playing all the way up until my bedtime. Um, awesome. Just to finish it. And I, you know, played the artisan world, the first world, then like a ton of times after I beat the game, but never really went further than that because okay. I, it's like, um, it was like a muscle memory thing, like a very like calming, like, yeah, you know, I was, I changed school. Like I went to three different schools in three different years. Um, oh, wow. so there was just like, like any kind of like stable, like fun thing that I could like lean into. I was all about um but i think also the completest within me was like you can play this one world (laughs) and then like that's it because we've seen what it's like when you devote yourself completely (laughs) it's like you can't take three weeks off school aaron (laughs) right we're not in christmas break (laughs) that's amazing um that's really cool to hear you were just kind of touching on something that uh that maybe we could just talk about for a second I don't think I've thought about it that way. I will often, well, A, 
props to you for finishing that game because I have trouble finishing games now and it's mostly like a commitment issue. I'll get bored 75% of the way through. I will get distracted. I have trouble finishing script. I have trouble finishing anything. <laughs> um, but so props to you for finishing too. I wanted to touch on how interesting it is that like you would go back to replay like the artisan world, the first sort of world. And I, that's way more common than you might think. Oh, I had no um, idea. Yeah. I mean, not just for myself, but like I'll hear people on podcasts, I'll hear friends talk about like, oh yeah, I've played like the opening world in, or like the first, uh, third of final fantasy seven a million times, but like I've only finished it twice or I've played, uh, like the first few worlds of Super Mario World a million times, but whatever. You you get you get where I'm getting at. I think I don't know, you said earlier specifically that it was like a comfort thing. And that's just kind of interesting. I've never looked at it in that way. Well think about um, like like if you is like what's a movie that you watch all the time? Yeah, uh that's a hard I used to watch, I'm looking at a Back to the Future poster right, right like here. Like a movie that you've I seen. Oh, or, or like the Sam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which I feel like is a maybe a pattern that's like easier to think about before everything was streamable. Like what what yes. were like the five DVDs that you had that you watched all the time? It's like a, there's something like you're not you don't have to worry about if like ever all the characters are going to end up OK. Like you don't have to worry about any of that stuff you already know. So it yes. like takes away that like. I don't know. You can probably tell that I'm an anxious person and was an anxious child. So it's like, <laughs> so like, I definitely like, I've probably seen like Mary Poppins 150 times, like, yeah. like all of that stuff. It's just like, you don't have to think about it. You know, that it's going to be like, you know, it's something that you like and there are no surprises. Yes. Yeah. I think I even, it's so funny that we're discussing this now. I think I even saw like a Reddit thread or a Reddit post or some posts on no, it was, I think it was Facebook talking about how like we've we stream the same shows over and over again because we know what's going to happen and it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think that was like this week. Yeah. And it was talking about office. like the office. Yeah. Because yes. that's the show that I always have on. Like if yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm fortunate enough to still be working remotely during quarantine. And so like if I'm like migrating um like data from facebook to like put together like a uh like an analytics presentation or whatever i will like 100 percent have the office on in the background because it's just like moving things from excel spreadsheet to excel spreadsheet but i watch those shows like i'm re-watching season three of parks and recreation right now too even though yeah. i've seen it so many times we're yeah, also rewatching it, it, Seinfeld. It's like all of that. It's like there you go. Comfort. Well, you, you know, I, I think it'd be interesting to look at our. I think we've just had so much time during quarantine the last four months to to do like whatever we want, sort of. Um, but like in even in our apartment, um, it's mostly been Elle watching. But I'll come in and out, or I'll see, I'll catch bits. But she's gone through like The Office, Parks and Rec, Community, like a lot of mainstays that are like very comfortable for both of us so it's not it shouldn't be that big of a surprise but um but i think that was just interesting sorry to go back to uh you, you sharing how you played to the artisan world a bunch that's cool um is there anything because eventually i want to move on to talk about what you love about the game itself is there anything else that you remember that like 
colored your experience when you were playing through it that break or any any specific story it doesn't if you have any well okay so as again an anxious only child (laughs) you can guess also super stubborn so i remember (laughs) like and my dad bless his heart he's trying to help me out because he sees me running into walls and like not like knowing how to navigate this like this isn't the this game. isn't the game yes sir okay <laughs> in life like you know just like running into walls not knowing which way is up or down no yeah. but like in the game i remember him you know we had like a like a futon couch and then we had boyfriend pillows you know the ones that have um like a back and arm support Yes. yes. So we had those that we sat. So we sat on the floor with our boyfriend pillows, like leaning oh, up against the best. To, and I feel like that's a classic <laughs> um, video game stance. So we're like yeah. sitting there and I'm like, you know, not doing, not progressing at all, not doing a good job. And my dad is like trying to be like, well, what if you tried this? And I'm like, no, <laughs> just like, he's like looking through the, like looking at the, um, the seat, manual. yeah, the manual and like trying to like give me advice. And I'm like, no, I'm like, God, your dad, just like a big, such a brat. I'm just like, <laughs> like, don't want to be helped. Don't want to be told. It's like, I have to figure this out on my own. I was like, I have yeah. no interest in your loving (laughs) right (laughs) helpfulness like get away from me (laughs) yeah and then you know i like probably after the first couple of days and it's funny saying that because right now could never imagine myself like failing so miserably for like days (laughs) straight on something and then just being like this is fine i'm gonna keep going just like don't have that in me anymore um but then like he would come and he would he would sit next to me and he would watch but he knew never to say anything so i remember like gotcha when i beat the game (laughs) just it kind of being like he was obviously like he was like, that's awesome or whatever. But it felt like it was owned totally by me. So it was like, I don't know. And that was like a, a, like few experiences. I feel like as a child are like that, where you like, you did something, you figured something out and you like did it totally on your own. Yeah. That's, um, I don't want to put words in (laughs) 11 year old Aaron's mouth or you might not even remember, but that, that can feel empowering. And I hope it was. And that's really cool. Absolutely. And then of course, when I went back to school and I told everyone that I beat Spyro, they're like, what's that? <laughs> Bunch of losers Bunch of you went to school with. <laughs> um, that's really, that's so, so cool. I feel like I've got a really good idea of what it felt like when you were playing it, like what your environment was like hearing about your dad, like just the things about your dad and, is really really special too so shout out to him yeah. this is the parent the parent uh segment of the show where we shout out the parents um but i let's get into like what you liked about the game itself first things first i want to point out an observation that i have is is that a thing that with video games that has presented itself is that when games started out especially game like like mario brothers uh, people, we haven't always had like 3D platformers like Spyro or Super Mario 64. Even Crash is like a 3D platformer in itself. Um, there was a time and there still is like a learning curve for getting acquainted with a 3D 
platformer like this. Um, especially when people who are playing games would go from like just the, just the side to side 2d platformers to a 3d game. There's so much more to control, especially with like an extra, a camera. Um, so I just want to point out that I'm very impressed that you were able to finish that game at all and have fun with it because there, Hey, congratulations. <laughs> the listener can't see it, but Aaron just did a, what would you call this? Post? That's like a, like a selfie dab. Selfie dab. Yeah. yeah. It's like a tiny dab with your hand. <laughs> um, I just think that's very cool and commendable because it can still be difficult for people to orient themselves with a 3d space as opposed to 2d. So first off, shout out to you. Um, and second, w- so that's just really all I wanted to say was make a big observation and big diatribe. But I want to know what you remember loving about the game and what sort of stood out to you. So I, it's really interesting that you bring that up because like, as I mentioned, I'm like, you know, running into walls, like not knowing it. I had never experienced where like I had like agency over my movement in that way. Like instead of the screen moving me to where I need to be or like, uh, like a tape rolling or whatever, it's like, I am in charge of the space. So like, I am, I get to decide like what I do first, what I'm prioritizing. And that was like intimidating, but like quickly just became like freaking cool. Right. Because I'm, you know, I'm an only child, like sitting at home over winter break. And it's like, I'm discovering this like new world by myself. Um, and one of the things that I really like about Spyro and one of the things that I remember is, so one of the primary objectives you have is to collect the stolen treasure, right? So there's treasure everywhere. And that was the only way Connor I could ever figure out if I had been to a place or not yet. (laughs) So like, so that like, cause you can go, anywhere in Spyro. Like there are, um, what's the best way to describe it? Like little like, um, elevator portals. So you can get to like higher, um, vantage points so you can glide down better, but like any place that looks like you can land, you can land. And that was like crazy to me that it seemed like there was like endless discoverability, right. Which is like totally different from, you know, my previous favorite game, um, already forgot treasure master. <laughs> when you're just like a, a treasure ascending the, ma- the mountain, you see the bottom <laughs> of the mountain, you see the top of the mountain. But here it was like, <clears throat> although it's a two-sided coin, right? Because if I'm like tracking how much treasure I have. So basically they're like little gems that are really fun to pick up because you have like a little dragonfly sidekick where if you pass by one, it just kind of picks it up for you, which I will. So here's a little like sidebar tangent. So we have Katmari Damacy. Is that? Yes. Yes. So we have that game, which is a game that my husband bought. So now, now we're back in 2020 for Switch. Um, and he was like, I think you'll like this game because yeah. it's like low stakes. It's, the music is so good. I do listen to that music, which, you know, I Ooh. would never admit to anyone except for you, Connor, on this podcast. Um, but I was <laughs> really frustrated that I like the way that you pick things up in that game is very yes. different from the way that you pick or acquire yes. things in Spyro. And I was so confused. It's like, why isn't it just like 
coming on to my collective ball. Like, why is this so yes. difficult? As you roll over yes. something near something. Yes. And then, and yeah. it's, it's funny. And there, I feel like the, the gameplay is more polite in that way with Spyro. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Where it's like, um, I don't have to necessarily just like crash and like get the, the motion pack on my, uh, is it a motion pack? Am I like conflating a bunch of different, like whatever makes your controller shake? Oh yeah. The rumble. Yes. The rumble. yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love whatever a motion pack is though. <laughs> um, yeah. But that was just like wild to me. And honestly, when I was reading, I like watched um, a gameplay of artists and world Um which yeah. I didn't know was a thing, um, but makes sense to me. Oh my because, gosh, there's a whole world out because there. Because I know, I know that Twitch is a, you know, people like, I know that you will play and people will watch. There was yeah. a guy that I dated, uh, or like when I first moved to LA, who was, he told me quote unquote, big on Twitch. Like that was supposed <laughs> to impress me. Um, it did not. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Watching that, I realized that there were some levels that I that that weren't required, like you weren't required to play those levels in order to advance in the game. And a lot of those yes. were fight realms. And the way that you oh. access them is like by by like landing on all five of these lily pads or something like that. So something that like 11 year old me would not have thought to do, especially yeah. not having ever played a video game like this before. Um, yeah. But like I was looking at that gameplay and I was like, dang, I really thought I was something beating this whole game and I didn't even play the whole game. Which that's is, funny. Which is wild. But I also like, I think that that's such a cool element of that game too, where it's like, there's this like fully contained world that your like my journey of that game would be different from anybody else's, even though the objectives are the same, which I think is yes. really cool. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. I think that's something that um, makes this game special as well. Even having very, very much a peripheral experience with it. Um, because even like f since that game happened, not every game does that. There are a lot of, and it doesn't make them bad necessarily, but there are a lot of like adventure style games that are very linear mm. and your experience is, is probably going to be very, very similar to someone else's. Of course, like I said, doesn't make a game bad, but something you've said a few things today about this game that remind me of breath of the wild. Okay. Um, the Zelda game that Andrew and I have both played, um, Two things. A is that your experience with that game can be totally different from someone else's. And that is so, so true in that game. And two, uh, it was, oh, the like discoverability and like exploring. So that's really, really cool to hear. Um, just because not every game does that. Right. Um, did you, uh, so you just thinking about this game, was there anything about it that was like, especially not being a huge gamer? especially then was there anything that was tough for you or was there like a learning curve um, that presented itself? Absolutely. I like, <laughs> I, <clears throat> I feel like most of the discovery period of this game for me was exciting because of the novelty mm. of it. So like I had never played anything like this before, so it was really cool. But then, you know, 
I would get to the point where like I had most of the eggs that I needed and like most of the dragons I had like decrystallized, but yeah. not everything was done yet. And being like, well, what? There are no gems around. Where am I supposed yeah. to go? And just being frustrated with that aspect of it, knowing, like feeling that you're totally done with a task, but not being done with it is so frustrating. And I feel like very relatable in like all different ways. Like if you, if yeah. you think that you've washed, like you spent like 30 minutes washing all the dishes finally, and then you discover that like the coffee mug is not clean. It's like the worst feeling uh. in the whole world. <laughs> the worst feeling. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but when playing the game, it like, it definitely was an exercise in patience for myself. Like knowing that I had so much of the game ahead of me, and if that I was going to let this kind of like invisible roadblock get in the way for me, like I was not going to finish the game. So like that yeah. reality was always like on my mind. So and I, you know, I'm an Aries, so I'm like very stubborn. I'm like get really competitive. I get really frustrated. <laughs> so, you know, definitely in the first few days of playing the game before I got the hang of like, uh, gliding, dropping down during a glide, like all of the motion, which also I think it's important to point out, like I had, aside from the fact that I had never played a 3d game before, I had never played any kind of flying game before. So yeah. like the functionality of that alone was like, as a person who does not fly as most people, you know, like I don't know how to do that. So like, there were, there were so many kind of like areas that needed growth and improvement. And when all of the, and if you're like a novice on all levels at the, at the set, it can be like frustrating, especially if you're an 11 year old and you don't know what real problems are yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, there was definitely a learning curve for me, but like once I figured out how I play Spyro, like, which I think is an important distinction. Cause like, as we said, it's yeah. like everybody's experience of the game is different. Like once I figured out like, like my system for, for advancing in the game, it was breezier. I still really need to nail home that I was very bad at this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Um, well, do you remember anything like what that sort of system was like for you? Yes. So gems first, always. So getting all the cool. treasure was very important to me. Um, a lot of that had to do with, um, loved sparks. I always made sure that like, so I made spark, I made sure sparks was always fed, uh, by running over sheep or killing sheep to <laughs> produce butterflies. So that was a top, top line priority for me was keeping sparks <laughs> ship shape. So, so caring. <laughs> um, Looking out for and then the, the gems. So I always did gems first because that was the easiest win. It's like the thing that you can yeah. see everything. If there was, uh, and by that same token, if there was like a locked treasure, cause sometimes they would be locked and you had to go find a key. I would just kind of like survey the area. Um, like if you were, um, I don't know what's a good analogy for this, but just kind of like, 
I'm just walking around. I'm like drawing a mental map of this place. Yeah. Uh, I figure out if I've been in a particular pocket, if there are gems left there or not. Um, and this is um, a weird pattern of behavior, but I almost never woke up the dragons until a lot of the other stuff was done just because yes. I felt like it was distracting <laughs> for me to do a not, you know, as a multitasker in real life, super, not a multi a video game multitasker. Like I, yeah. uh, which I think maybe was why I like never connected with a, like a Mario game. Like, and I remember playing Mario Kart and just like wanting to like power up and get more points, but also knowing that I had to win. And that was very confusing for me because it seemed like two totally different objectives. My brain did like yeah. not compute that. It's like, it's serving <laughs> the same purpose. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so yeah, there was definitely, and I also think it's funny how early they let you know how to defeat bad guys or bosses where it's like, uh, you can't charge most of the big bosses, but you can, uh, throw fire on them and that will kill them. Yeah. But if they have a shield, you can't use fire, but you can charge them. So yeah. it's like, it's like, okay, is this going to be someone that I'm like bowing my, like pressing X really hard and like diving right into him? Or am I like blowing yeah. fire on him? Um, but I was very systematic in my gameplay, which I love that saying that now I feel like makes it kind of sound joyless, but like. I don't know. But whatever, whatever works <laughs> for like you, you know? I like to color code as an adult, you know, organizing there stuff. You, that's so funny. <laughs> I don't think we've had, I don't, I think this is like the sort of the first time I've heard someone takes like, hear about your methodology with it and how that sort of translates from your normal life into the game. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Um just shows a lot about you, especially as a little 11 year old that you were already doing that. That's really adorable. <laughs> what a little freak. Um, I love that. Uh, and also it's cool to hear about you sort of learning the language of the game and the language of like what a enemy might be and you sort of deciphering like, okay, is how you're going to go about fighting them. Um, that's cool. Also, I, uh, something that was, you've mentioned this a couple times, or you mentioned it once earlier, I meant to bring it up, was that the enemy in this game, the enemies in this game had like artificial intelligence. So they would, if they saw you, they'd seek you out as opposed to in a lot of 3D games, that's not the case. Or like enemies would just be, like you said, on their own path, doing their thing, even if you're around. So um, yeah, I just felt like pointing that out. Um, Aaron, uh, is there well last thing before I ask you that question, I wanted to say that you kind of brought it up earlier too, was that I see you and know you as a very funny, very comedic person, made me laugh thousands of times and will continue to do so. <laughs> do you remember thinking that the game was funny or taking anything from that? I because I only asked that because like that's something that I always admire in games. Yeah. So at yeah. the very top of Spyro. And look, I yeah. listeners, I encourage you to just like watch the first part of gameplay of Spyro because the mm -hmm. way that the like uh driving conflict of the whole game is set up is really <laughs> ridiculous. Um yeah. so, <laughs> so funny. basically imagine like these good guy dragons or whatever are being interviewed 
by some by a reporter who's <laughs> like in, in, just like inter, out interviewing dragons, um, yeah. adult dragons. Very important to know if that it's an adult dragon uh, world, and like Spyro is like the only little baby dragon that's running around. Yeah. Um, but the reason why all of the dragons become crystals, all the treasure is stolen, and the dragon eggs are missing, is because one of the adult dragons in this interview that's happening at the top of the game calls nasty Nork ugly. <laughs> just shit talks him. Just straight up is just like, like he's a loser and he's ugly. And he, and is he like an ogre? What is nasty? I don't know. Nork? You know, it's funny. A lot of the bad guys look, like have some kind of like reptilian. So it's like some of them are yeah. frogs. Some of them, some of them are rams. It's just like like <laughs> angry animals. Nasty Nork is like big and green, yeah, and like classic boss, like round, big boss yes. look. Um, yeah, broad shoulders, broad shoulders. But like for that to be like the reason why I like like millions of hours of <laughs> my winter break because Nasty Nork got his fifis hurt. <laughs> like don't bully anybody but like you know think about it talk to your therapist first like don't crystallize an entire kingdom of dragons like that's that's her advice to nasty (laughs) nork today is talk to your therapist and if you're not going to go your mental health is important nasty nork self-care and because he doesn't he like shoot out just like shoot out spells or something that crystallizes the dragon he's pretty powerful very powerful and that's why it was so it's like I, one of the reasons why I also really like Spyro is because even though the um, the bad guys could kind of like follow you, you mentioned that kind of like AI yeah. function. Um, they're still so stupid. <laughs> they're still so dumb. <laughs> yes. Like you can sneak up on them and like you could literally like come straight on onto them. And if they turn around, like just kill them right then. Like there's no yep. like. They're not really fighting back. You can kind of get out of yes. the way. They kind of just go at you. Yeah, but but Nasty Nork has this like insanely uh, sophisticated arsenal of magic. Um, yeah. Which is, you know, <laughs> I've always loved magic. I feel like that's like a, you have like kids who are really into sports and like kids who want to become a witch. And I was like kind of both. <laughs> Those are the two kids. <laughs> That's it. There are no other kids. Um, but I just like, I'm like, you know, magic right away into it. So I thought that was very funny that this guy yeah. just like, because I feel like also in like kids movies and kids programming, like the, uh, the boss or like the bad guy or whatever always has like a really ridiculously short fuse. And like, it's like comical how much they overreact. So I was just like, prepared for that kind of interaction and i loved it and it was magic and it was dragons there was no keeping me from this game it had like literally everything i like <laughs> that's it was the perfect storm for you perfect. not not the mountain storm or whatever we were talking treasure about mass storm. <laughs> treasure mass storm but a different kind of storm yes. um one more question before my final one was that um do you remember beating this game was that some sort of big moment or was it just like you just kind of vaguely remember i vaguely remember it because i feel like the triumph of this game in my life was like me figuring it out and like i don't want to call it a time suck even though it absolutely was a time suck but it's almost like 
this like little, that winter break is like a little chapter of my childhood. Right. Yeah. It's like, I, I remember, I know that I beat and finished the game because it was like over then. And I remember that yes. part being true, <laughs> but like, there wasn't, like I mentioned, like when I told my dad I beat the game, he were like, all right, cool. It's like, <laughs> what do we play yeah. now? And then he like would try to get me into final fantasy or whatever, like as we, as I've got older or whatever. And I'm just like, yeah. this is, I don't like this. This is boring to me. I don't like role player games. Um, hey, that's okay. They're very, very involved too. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was not, I wouldn't say it was like an anti-climax, but that was like not, it was truly about the journey. I think I was just yeah, going to say like that was absolutely like the gameplay was always so fun. And because that yeah. game is inherently about like magic, good versus evil, like checking things off. A it was like truly designed it's for funny. me. It was funny. Yes. The voice acting is hilarious so when I hear weird. it. Oh my gosh, Spyro. Spyro with his like sassy back talk. It's yeah. like he'll say, he'll decrystallize a dragon and then like sass him right away. And it's like, why are you saving <laughs> them, you brat? Right, right. Too funny. <laughs> um, well, great. Uh, is there anything, Aaron, that you would like to share or that you forgot to share before we move on to a couple fun end of the show segments? I just want to talk about Treasure Math Storm one more time. No, I'm kidding. Hey, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's funny. I really like for something that all told did not take up like a lot of my like hobby energy even as a child yeah. and like doesn't now still like i was so excited to come on the podcast and talk about it because that's like one of the few real memories that i have not only of my childhood but honestly of my dad my dad passed away when i was 14 and oh, wow. this is like some of the most complete memories that i have of him so it's really that's cool very cool for me to talk about it and remember. So think what a gift you've given me, Connor. I really appreciate you. Hey, this was, I didn't I, let, let the audience know. I didn't tell you to say that. <laughs> um, no, thank you. That's really sweet. Um, I'll have plenty of chances to thank you as we, after we do a couple fun things, but um, that's like, I mean, Aaron, this is exactly why we do the show is to like share fun memories, share fun moments. And even if it was just like a three and a half week period of your life, it's like, it stood out for a reason. And I'm really happy that you took the time. So thank you. Um, well, why don't we move on to a couple fun segments at the end of the show? Right. All right. So uh, these are segments I do at the end of the show all the time. The first is the fact me by your game segment. Aaron, this is where I will share with you um, some fun uh, Easter eggs, uh, secrets, um, just some fun facts about the game that you may or may not know. I'm excited. So, Hell yeah, I love it. These are these are all really, really great. Um, so the first one and the first two actually come from a really wonderful uh, YouTube channel called The Gaming Historian. I would actually recommend you check out the Spyro episode. I absolutely. But, um, uh, did you know that uh, the first voice actor for Spyro was named Carlos Alizraki? Uh, he not only did the voice for this first game, but he did a few other recognizable characters that I'm pretty sure you're going to recognize that you will remember from growing up. The first of which is Rocco from Rocco's Are Modern Life. Are you kidding me? 
seriously i loved that weird show so much so weird so weird i loved it too good wow incredible (laughs) that was nickelodeon right Yes, nickelodeon yeah um and then that was like when i was first conscious when i would see when cartoons were on um the second even bigger icon the taco bell dog i'm sorry yeah. <laughs> I just like <laughs> I think a lot about like people like in pop culture whose like careers that like I want like that's an aspert like that's absolutely like <laughs> iconic iconic <laughs> career top to bottom incredible Spyro Rocco Taco oh. Bell dog it doesn't it doesn't get much bigger oh, than that incredible incredible um, a little side note to this particular fact is that uh, the voice of Spyro in the next two games was uh, Tom Kenny, the voice of SpongeBob. So oh. pretty interesting. <laughs> Great. I know, right? So they kind of changed directions there. Um, second fact for you, Aaron, also from the gaming historian, is that Spyro actually had a different name when they were originally developing the game. It was Pete. But... Universal, who was the who owned Insomniac Games, was not about to risk a lawsuit because Disney had already had the movie Pete's Dragon. Uh, Pete's Dragon. Mm. So, yeah, even though he was, and I think he was green too. But then they the they original? were like, "This is yeah." So they're like, "This is a little on the nose. We're going to change." Could it. you also imagine if Spyro had been green? You just like wouldn't be able to see him running around those green fields. <laughs> that's I mean, Aaron. That's exact. That's actually why they changed oh, really? it. So there you go. There you are. Um, the last uh, fact that I have to share with you is that, and this is the first time I've shared a fact not from this particular game. A, it was hard to find facts, and B, I just thought this was cool. Um, in uh, Spyro, as you probably know, they, they actually remastered the original trilogy, and there's a very touching tribute in um, the Spyro Reignited trilogy. I think, what's, which game is it? I've actually just opened up the article. Um Let's see. Uh, which game was this in? Okay. So this is from Spyro 3, Year of the Dragon. So not a game you've played, but um, there's basically a, re- a big fan of the original game wrote in to the developers as they were making the remake and because it, it got delayed. And he, he shared a very touching story about how um, he uh, this game meant a lot to him and how he may or may not be able to share this game with his mom who got him into the Spyro because uh, because his mom actually had cancer and she was very sick and he, because of the delay, didn't know if she was going to be able to see it. So he actually wrote into the developers, this user called The Chrono Shadow, and um, let them know, let the developers know that it'd be really cool if they could like have like a tribute to his mom in some way in the game. And what they actually ended up doing was in the third game, there's like this area where there are these portraits of different characters in the third game. I think that's what these characters are. And um, they it, they inscribed this character or this person's mom's name Incredible. just in the game. And uh, so it's just a really touching little tribute to, to the person's mom. Um, I... I don't know if the person's mom and how they're, how they're doing now, but it's a, I could send you a little article. I would love that. I think that that's, I just think that that's awesome that the developers were like, yeah, we'll do that. Like, yeah, totally. Like they didn't have to do anything. They could have honestly just ignored it, but it's, it's really cool that they did that. The name was Parvinder, this person's mom. So, um, that's the end of the fact me by your game segment. And the last one I have is, 
is the game recommendation segment okay. where this is my one forced tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Name, where because when I was watching that movie, Aaron, I don't know about you, but I was I saw. Uh, Timothy Chalamet at the end of the movie after he was not in the relationship with Army Hammer's character and I was wondering I wonder what the person who's he gonna date next and like thinking about my friends and myself and like sometimes people date someone who is like wildly different than the last person or exactly the same and it's kind of creepy so these recommendations are based off that sort of idea but for you Inspiro (laughs) great no I'm, um, I'm here for that uh, and also, you never have to play any of these. They're just silly wrecks. Uh, the first one is if you're looking for a more modern, refined 3D uh, adventure game, also by Insomniac, who made this, I'd recommend to you Spider-Man, which came out in 2018 on the PlayStation 4. Uh, kind of a huge, crazy game, but it's it's really fun. Um, if you're looking for something with a similar comedic spirit, you can't give that up. This is a game I've recommended before. It's called The Secret of Monkey Island, which is just a point-and-click game from the PC in 1990. Um, but it is one of – it's probably the funniest game I've ever played. Oh, I absolutely uh, want to play that then. It's hilarious. I can, I'll can. i just send you a free website where you can Please play the game. Please do. Incredible. Uh, it's very silly. And the last recommendation I have for you is that uh, if you – also want a 3D mascot platformer like Spyro that's very friendly and easy to digest, I'll recommend to you Epic Mickey, which is a game on the Wii uh, from 2010 starring Mickey Mouse. Go figure. I do have a Wii system. (laughs) Oh, no way. Yeah, we have a Wii and a Switch. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love it. This is a game I actually bought. I have a problem where I buy games that I didn't get to play on eBay. So I have this one that I got this summer. Incredible. Uh, um, but that brings us to the end of the game recommendation segment. And actually, Aaron, that pretty much brings us to the end of the show. So um, before we plug and feel free, like I said before, to plug any and everything that you want, I just wanted to thank you again for coming on the show, spending the time with me and sharing your story. That was really cool to hear about not only like, the agency that this game kind of gave you, but the fun you had with it and the fact that like your dad brought it into your life and was like there, you know, supportive, even if at the end he was more quiet and, and let you just enjoy it on your own. I think I thank you very much. Of course. This was an absolute joy. Loved thank you. It. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug before you go? Yes. So as uh, Connor and I are both LA based, um, I just wanted to shout out an organization that I have been volunteering with, with regularly. Um, I mentioned that I'm fortunate enough to be working and also my anxiety pretty much prevents me from like going outside to participate in any protests or actions. So if you're more of an mm introverted abolitionist as I am, would highly recommend looking into the organization called Justice LA. You can go to their website, justicelanow.org. You can volunteer to text bank, which is a new thing I had never heard of before, where you uh, use one of their uh, platforms to text people who have, uh, signaled interest to write letters to their, like today we wrote letters to, um, our County supervisor to talk about the, uh, LA sheriff department budget. Um, it's been a really great tool to learn, to meet other people who are also working towards decarceration and abolition. 
prison abolition and um and also just like to be able to do that from home um i think that it's worth noting that like anybody can get involved and it doesn't have to just be making signs and going to in-person actions awesome uh well thank you is that 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 was that the sole thing you were gonna share that's my plug Amazing. Uh, you, uh, I, I'm always afraid to be like, you get bonus points for a selfless plug because I want people to plug their own stuff when they have it. But uh, thank you very much, Aaron. That is very important. And I encourage the listeners to definitely check that out. Um, this show uh, is produced by the great Jeremy Schmidt. You can find him on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime, on Instagram at Scare Me Shit. I do that half the time. Jeremy, you're my buddy. You're at Scare Me Schmidt, not Scare Me Shit. Um, you can also listen to his wonderful show, Video Games, a comedy show, more of a roundtable style video game podcast. And you can follow me on Connor or at Connor underscore McCabe or follow me on Twitch at cons is cool 69. I've been tweeting. I've been streaming random things. So that sounds fun. Follow me. Uh, thanks again, Aaron, for doing the show. And to the listener out there, we'll see you on the next one.